James chapter 1, and verse 19, it says this, My dearly loved brothers, understand this. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For man's anger does not accomplish Yahweh's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourself of all moral filth and evil excess, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save you. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and right away forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. Last time I talked, like I said, we covered verses 19 through 21. And in these verses, we discovered the importance of the reception of the word. That was the whole theme of verses 19 through 21. In other words, how we should receive the word. In verse 19, James mentions three things that we should do in order to correctly receive the implanted word. The first thing was we were to be quick to hear. We learned that we should receive the word with eagerness like the Bereans. We should learn to love it. We should learn to examine it and so forth and be quick to hear the word. And the second thing we're just, we, we learned were that, was that we were to be slow to speak, slow to teach the word. That's what the word speak means. Right here it means to teach it. And we should be slow to speak it. We should learn it, be very familiar with it before we try to teach it to someone else. <clears throat> And thirdly, we learn that we should be slow to anger or to reject the teaching. The word anger right there means actually to reject to reject what's given to us. Even when the word of Yahweh cuts really deep, it shows us our sin and we don't want to hear it. We should be slow to reject it. We should receive the word, examine it, and let it, let it do its perfect work. That's what Yahweh's word is designed to do, is to cut us, to make us realize it's our sin, and to, you know, to correct it, to work on it. And then I ended the teaching with verse 22, and I explained that it doesn't matter how much we hear the word of Yahweh. If we, do, if we don't put it to practice, it's no good. If we only hear the word, it's like a man looking into a mirror and not changing what he sees wrong with him. So we're going to pick up there where we left off last week in verse 22, and I'll expound upon it. So let's read verse 22 again in the first chapter of James. It says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Notice that James here doesn't say to do the word, but rather he says to be doers of the word. The word doer implies that this is something that someone will continually do. It doesn't mean a one-time thing, but you'll continually do the word of Yahweh. See, proof of salvation in the life of a sinner is not momentary commitment, but rather it's a lifetime of obedience to, to Yahweh's Torah. It's not a momentary sinner's prayer that saves you but a saint's continuous walk in the word that verifies his salvation. Being a doer of the word is characterized is a characterized lifestyle that must be evident in the life of a believer. James says to be a doer, not a hearer only, because by doing so we deceive our own self. See, this is what's common in churches today. It's what's common in this church, and it's what's common in the days of our forefathers and also in the day of our Messiah. This is what Yeshua said. This is why... Yeshua said in Matthew 7:21, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father." Right. If you're here only, there's no chance of salvation. There's no chance. If you only confess with your mouth and you not do with your life, you're just like the ones Yeshua is talking about that say, "Lord, Lord." 
yet they won't see the kingdom. They'll never see the kingdom because their lifestyle doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't produce action. These people have deceived themselves and think because of their momentary confession of him as Lord, they will, be, they will make it to the kingdom. But Yeshua says, no, only the one who does the will of the Father will see the kingdom. These are the, Lord, these are the words of our master. James is saying the same thing. We must be doers of the word. Let me give you a good example of, of some doers of the word. Nehemiah chapter 8. And I'm going to give you an example of, of, some, of some people that are doers. To give you a kind of heads up of what's taking place right here in Nehemiah. The Israelites have been taken captivity and through three different sieges under Nebuchadnezzar. They've been taken off into Babylonian captivity and they, now they're under the siege of, I guess, maybe Darius, but in the Medo-Persian Empire. They've just come back and Nehemiah has come back with them to help build a wall around the city. Nehemiah was actually a cupbearer in the Medo-Persian Empire under the reign of Darius. He's actually pretty high up, but he's an Israelite man, and it was in his heart to come back and to build a wall around around the temple of Yahweh. I mean, the temple that's going to be built for Yahweh. So he wants to build this wall, and he, I guess Yahweh makes a way for him to come back. He comes back to Jerusalem. And that's where this kind of this kind of picks up in Nehemiah chapter eight. I want you to listen to it. I want you to listen to what one the grace that Yahweh shows His people right here, but two the obedience. Not only do they hear the word, but I want you to pick out the obedience and how obedient the people of Israel are when they hear the word. This is how we should be. In Nehemiah eight, verse one, it says, "When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their town, all the people gathered together at the square in the front of the water gate." They asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that Yahweh had given Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. He taught from daybreak until noon, possibly five or six hours. I just want to throw that in there. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the scribe, stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Matithiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah stood beside him on his right. To his left were Padiah, Mishael, Malkiah, Hashum, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshalam. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people, since he was elevated before everyone. As he opened it up, all the people stood up. Perhaps this is why we stand at the reading of the law. Ezra blessed Yahweh, the great Almighty, and with their hands uplifted all the people said, and all the people said, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped Yahweh with their faces to the ground. Yeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatiah, Hodiah, Messiah, or Messiah, Kalitha, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, and Peliah, who were Levites, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read the book of the law of the Almighty, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructed Instructing the people, said to all of them, This day is holy to Yahweh our Almighty. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. 
They were convicted right here. They were convicted of what was being said, that they were, they were guilty, and that's their reason for weeping. Then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because your strength comes from rejoicing in Yahweh. And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Do not grieve. Then all the people began to eat and drink, send portions, and have a great celebration, because they had understood the words that were explained to them. On the second day, the family leaders of all the people, along with the priests and Levites, assembled before Ezra the scribe to study the words of the law. They found written in the law how Yahweh had commanded them through Moses that the Israelites should dwell in booths during the festivals of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and spread this news throughout all their towns and in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hill country and bring back branches of olive, wild olive, myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths, just as it is written. The people went out, brought back branches, and made booths for themselves on each of the rooftops and courtyards, the court of all of the house of Yahweh, the square by the water gate, and the square by the gate of Ephraim. The whole community that had returned from exile made booths and lived in them. They had not celebrated like this from the days of Joshua, son of Nun, until that day. And they were tremendous, and there was tremendous joy. Ezra read out of the book of the law of Yahweh every day, from the first day to the last. The Israelites celebrated the feast for seven days, and on the eighth day there was an assembly according to the ordinance. All right, these people have been in bondage for roughly 70 years. They've been in Babylon, and they hadn't been able to keep the feast of booths. So they come back. They asked that they asked Ezra to, lead, to read the book of the law to them. He stands in a, on a podium high above the crowd with the Levites standing on either side of him. He reads the book of the law to the nation of Israel, all the people that have come back from Babylon. He reads the book of the law to them, and they mourn and weep. And because he's reading the book of the law on the day of shouting, that's the, the first day of the seventh month, that's the holy day that he talks about, because he's reading the book of the law on the first day of the seventh month he says this is supposed to be a joyous day don't weep don't cry be be joyful drink be merry go eat fest you know uh, have a festival so to speak then after that the next the very next day they read again and he tells he reads to them a part the part about keeping the feast of booths feast of tabernacles and so right away just like that the israelites go and they start cutting leaves and branches and things from the surrounding cities. They go out and they build all these booths because why? Moses commanded that they do it. Ezra reiterates it right here. He says it's a commandment and they want to be obedient to it. They go and they start to build booths. This is the way we're supposed to do. The very next day, he tells them on day one, read the law. Then he, then he tells them this commandment on day two and immediately they start to build booths. Okay, They start to gather their branches anyway. The feast is still 14 days away, guys, but they're already building these booths are getting ready. See, every time that someone gets up here and teaches behind this pulpit, just almost like Ezra was standing there, reading the law, the, it's the, the, the point is the same. It's to teach people so that you hear, so that you understand, so that you grow. And every time somebody gets up here behind this pulpit, everyone in the audience is a hearer. Every one of you guys are listening to something that's being taught, specifically out of the Scriptures. And if, every, if anyone receives what's being taught up here, that's great. But if no one in here acts upon what's taught, it's a waste. It's no good. You go home unchanged. 
You've been shown the mirror. I'm standing up here with a mirror with Yahweh's word. I'm showing it to you. And if you walk away, you walk away unchanged, it's a waste. You've wasted, you've wasted your time. You've wasted my time. You've deceived yourself. When is the last time you were sitting in here and you heard something out of Yahweh's word and you said, man, that's dead on. I need to put that to practice. Or that was a great message. It was, that was a moving message. I need to hear that because that's something that I should have been doing. And yet you leave here, you walk away here, walk away from here, and you're unchanged. You know what you heard was correct, and you're convicted of it. You know that you were breaking Yahweh's commandments, and you need to tighten up on something, and you didn't do anything about it. You walked away from hearing it and forgot about it tomorrow. Tomorrow's just another day. You just you just walked away, and, and it never meant anything. It's the same as the day before. You're still the same person. You're a hearer of the word, but you're not a doer of it. You didn't put it to practice, and you deceived your own self. That's exactly what happened. It's a terrible place to be. It is a terrible, terrible place to be. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to. I don't want to sit in in a pew and warm one. I don't want to warm one. I want to be. A, I want to be a doer of what's taught in here. There is a lot of good teaching that comes across this pulpit. A lot of it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not referring to me by any means. I don't. I don't mean that about me. There's. Tons of good teaching that comes across this pulpit and through the walls of this church right here, and people listen to it, and they get up, and they go about their mundane lives like they never walked in here. It's a terrible place to be. Terrible place to be. James identifies this person, and the way he identifies them, he uses an analogy in verses 23, verse 24, and this is what he says. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and right away he forgets what kind of man he was. I've got people that work for me and let's just say that I tell these guys that I'm, not that I would ever do this, but if I tell those guys they're supposed to be clean shaven, clean bathed when they show up to work. I, that's, that's what I expect out of them. If I told them that, I mean not that I do, I by all means put a hair on your face, but if you, <laughs> if, uh, but if I told you to be clean shaven and clean to come to work, and you and you showed up to work, and you've got smut all over your face, I would have to ask, did you look in the mirror? And if somebody says, well, yeah, I looked in the mirror, did you not see all that smut that's on your face and, you know, hair? And I asked you to be clean-shaven and be, be clean. If they don't do anything about it, yeah, they looked in the mirror, yeah, they noticed that they were dirty, but yeah, they didn't do anything about it. It's the same exact thing when we look into Yahweh's Word. We look into Yahweh's Word. We see the filth in our life. We see where we don't keep certain commandments. We see where we're wrong, and yet we do nothing about them. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying about the, about the people right here. That's, that's his analogy that he's giving for the man that looks into the mirror. James says that the man that doesn't act on what he's heard, he's just like the man that looks in the mirror. He sees all his flaws, and yet he walks away in the same shape that he, that he came in. This man would have to be a fool to notice that all that was wrong in his life and not to change any of it. Well, that's what we do when we come to church. We hear the teaching of the Word. We're convicted of sin in our life, and we need to change, but we don't change. See, hearing is not the end itself. It's the means to the end. Obedience is the end. Obedience in doing is the end of the solution. That's what we're looking for, not the, not the hearing of it. James is just echoing the words of his master, his older brother. Look at the book of Luke in chapter Chapter 6, Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, the Messiah says the exact same thing that James says. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do the things and do not the things I say? I'll show you what someone 
is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid his foundation on the rock. When the flood came and the river crashed against the house, and it couldn't shake it because it was well built. Our Lord says that the man keeps the word or law. It's like a man building a house on the rock, a solid rock. He's got a, he's got a sure foundation, a firm foundation, and when the waves of life come and crash against him, he stands strong. He doesn't fall. However, there's a contrast to verses 46 through 48, and that's verse 49, and it says this, But the one who hears and does not act, he's like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of the house was great. See, the man that didn't put into practice what he had heard, when the waves of life come and crash against him, he falls every time. He can't stand because his, his foundation is not solid. In the days of the Messiah, it was common for people to hear a teacher. But if you followed the teacher and actually tried to live out and do and practice what he said, then you were called a disciple of that teacher. That's, what it, that's, that's where the word disciple comes from. Yeshua is describing disciples in his example of the house. If we want to be like Yeshua, to be a disciple of his, we must be doers and not just hearers. And I know this is repetitive. It's because James is repetitive. I'm being repetitive. I know that being a hearer of the word is not good enough. We must be doers, and I've said it a hundred times, but I'm going to keep saying it until they point my toes at uh, <laughs> Jerry, because that's what James is saying right here. We have to be doers of the word. So in, the, so in this test that James gives us for ourselves, there must be a correct response. The test is whether or not we are doers of the words or hearers only. The correct response is to be a doer. When we look into the mirror, let's take note of the flaws we see and make an attempt to change. When we hear the word, let's take note of it and make an attempt in our lives to be a doer of it. Is every true believer a doer of the word? Absolutely. Every true believer is a doer of the word. Does every true believer always do the word? No, absolutely not. That'd be nice, but then a there wouldn't be a place for preaching. However, every true believer has a yearning to please Yahweh, a desire to be one of his chosen children, and therefore a true believer mixed with his faith and hearing of the word should produce works and the doing of what they hear. James 1 and verse 25, he says, But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who acts, this person will be blessed in what he does. Notice James uses the phrase, the perfect law of freedom. Now we're getting to the point. Let me back up and show you how the perfect law of freedom has come about. In verse 18, the message of truth is used in place of the noun word. Okay? The message of truth is the word of Yahweh. In verse 21, the word is called the implanted word. And in verse 23, he compares the word with the mirror saying that we should examine ourselves in it. And in verse 25, he calls this word the perfect law of freedom. I hope that you all understand what I just said. I know that's confusing. I understand it, but it was hard to get it out. So all I'm trying to say is this. Let me, let me kind of throw it out there again. In verse 18, the message of truth is the law. Okay, That's what the message of truth is. Verse 21, the implanted word, which is able to save you, is also the law. Okay. He gives an example of the implanted word which is able to save you, and his analogy of the implanted word 
is the mirror. Okay? And then in verse 25, he gives you, he gives you the word, the perfect law of freedom, which describes the law in verse 18, the law in verse 21, and the mirror in verse 23. I hope, I know that's confusing. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. The word that James is talking about is the instruction of Moses, of the law of Yahweh. That's what it is. The perfect law of freedom is the same law in Psalms 19.7 where the psalmist writes, the law of Yahweh is perfect in converting the soul. James says in verse 18 that it gives us a new birth. It's the message of truth that the testimony of Yahweh is trustworthy. It's the word of truth or law that he tells us to be quick to hear, slow to teach, and slow to reject in verse 19. It's the implanted word or law in verse 21 that is able to save you. Think back to the writings of Jeremiah in chapter 31 and verse 33. Jeremiah says this. He says, I'll place my law within them, and I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their almighty, and they will be my people. That sounds like Yahweh will implant his word or his law to me. That's what that sounds like. This is the same word of truth or law that serves as a mirror to examine ourselves in in verse 23. And last but not least, it's the law of freedom in verse 25. It's a law that produces freedom. That's what the law does. It produces freedom. As long as we stay within the parameters of Yahweh's commandments, we're free from sin. But when we go outside of the word of the law, it condemns us. That's its whole job is to condemn us, is to show us where we're wrong. It's supposed to cut us. It's supposed to show us our sin so that we can repent and turn from it. The law is perfect in producing freedom and righteousness. But because our wickedness and our failings, we fall into bondage and condemnation. That's why James says the one that looks into the mirror of the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of that law, he's blessed in what he does. Being of a doer of the word of, the tr- word of truth or the law, it brings blessings. James has got to be one of the greatest prosperity teachers of all times, right here in verse 25. James says, the one who is not just a hearer, but a doer of the word, he'll be blessed in what he does. You want to teach a prosperity message? This is how you teach a prosperity message. You who keep my commandments, you'll be blessed. Deuteronomy 28, Joshua 1, 8. Joshua 1, verse 8, it says this. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in what you do. Joshua is not saying that you will, that you will prosper when you, cor- you can correctly recite the law. That's not what he's saying. He's saying when you do what you recite, then you'll be blessed. When you can, when you can correctly recite it, then you'll know to do it. And then when you do it, you'll be blessed. That's what Joshua was saying in Joshua 1, verse 8. If you're sitting here tonight thinking about who needs to hear this message, Jerry, <laughs> look into the law, look into the mirror, buddy, and see that it's you. It's you. It's me. It's you, Leon. It's, it's you, Ron. It's all of us. Every one of us. This message is for all of us. It's for me. For me more than anybody. I, I noticed something reading Joshua 1, verse 8. I, I read that preparing this sermon. That is something that I do not do. Recite the law day and night. Is there anybody else in here that don't recite the law day and night? i got some takers. Hey, you're all in sin. Every one of you are. If you don't do that day and night, it's a command. 
We're supposed to do it. If you don't do it, it's sin. There's you something to work on. If you want to look into something that you need to work on, there's you something right there. But that's the reason for James' test here, so that we can examine ourselves and make corrections where we see flaws. We don't have to stay in sin, guys. We don't have to stay in it. We can, we can be delivered from it. But that's our, that's our job, is to examine ourselves. We're supposed to look into this perfect law of freedom, recite it day and night, see where we're in error, and make changes and do better. See, too often we accept things that we feel comfortable with doing, and we ignore the more difficult teachings that we hear. But in order to find the perfect law of freedom, we have to accept all of it. We must look into it intently and search and feed ourselves from the Scriptures and then continue in it, not forgetting it, but doing it. Apply the Scriptures to our lives daily. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what James says a doer of the Word would do. He says if we look look into and hear the Word of law and continue in it, apply it to our lives and be a doer of it, then will we be blessed. Then will we be blessed. Speaking of those blessings, who's familiar with Deuteronomy 28 in here? Several people are, are uh, familiar with the blessings. I never get tired of hearing them, and so I'm going to read them to you. I want to read the blessings in Deuteronomy 28. And I'm not going to talk about the curses today. However, that's part of it, and we probably shouldn't leave it out. But because we're talking about blessings, I don't want to. I don't want to inject the curses. You can read that for. Uh, you can read that for yourself. Deuteronomy 28, starting in verse one, it says, "Now if you faithfully." Obey Yahweh, your Almighty, and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today. Yahweh, your Mighty One, will put you far above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come and overtake you because you obey Yahweh, your Mighty One. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. Your descendants will be blessed and your soul's produce and the offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basket and kneading bowls will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. Yahweh will cause the enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before you. They will march out against you from one direction but flee from this, flee from you in seven directions. Yahweh will grant you a blessing on your storehouses and on everything you do. He will bless you in the land Yahweh your mighty one has given you. Yahweh will establish you as his holy people as he swore to you if you obey the commands of Yahweh, your mighty one, and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by Yahweh's name, and they will stand in awe of you. Yahweh will make you prosper abundantly with children, the offspring of livestock, and your soul's produce in the land Yahweh swore to your fathers to give you. Yahweh will open for you his abundant storehouse, the sky, to give your land rain in its season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you'll borrow from none. Yahweh will make you the head and not the tail. You will only move upward and never downward if you listen to Yahweh's commandments. Yahweh, your mighty one's commandments I'm giving you today and are careful to follow them. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left from all the things I'm commanding you today and do not go after other mighty ones to worship them. Joshua said recite the law day and night so that you'll be careful to observe it, so that you'll be blessed. Moses listed blessing after blessing for keeping of the law, and our Messiah said only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom. That's enough. We shouldn't have to say any more. But Yeshua also said in John 14:23, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my words. The one who doesn't love me, he will not keep my word. The word that you hear is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. In 1 John 2, verse 3, 
John says, this is how we are sure that we know him, by keeping his commandments. In John 2, verse 4, 1 John 2, verse 4, he says, The one who says, I have come to know him without keeping his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. If you say that you know Yahweh and you don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. The truth's not in you. I didn't say it. John said it. Any response to hearing the word other than obedience to it is simply deception. If you, have an, if you have a response to the word of Yahweh when he commands you to do something other than obedience to that command, you're simply deceived. It's, it's pretty simple. The only thing you do is walk in his ways. When he tells you to do something, we should do it. Let me reiterate that. If we hear the word and don't follow through with obedience to it, then we are deceived. Let's not be forgetful hearers of the word, but rather follow through with obedience and be like David in Psalms 119 and verse 60 where he says, I hurried, not hesitating to keep your commandments. When we hear them, we should, we should hurry to keep them. How many know that to be slow to keep the commandments is really just to break them? If you, uh, if you say that you're going to keep the commandments and you postpone them, well, then you've broke them all the way up until you, until you decide to keep them. It's, it, it doesn't matter what the commandment is. Like uh, Arnold said about adultery, we're not so supposed to commit adultery, but if I say, well, I'm going to quit in two or three weeks, then for two or three weeks I continue to break the commandment. All right? It's the same thing. The same is true with the word of Yahweh. We have the cure right here in our Bibles. We just have to hear it, study it, believe it, and apply it as a doer. True saving faith is one that desires to obey the word of the law of Yahweh, not to just hear it only. The passing of the test is to be a doer. So I admonish you today to hear the word, study it, apply it, Quickly, by being a doer, who will be blessed instead of leaving that instead of leaving that mirror unchanged and deceived. Yahweh, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings, Father. I know that um, this teaching is hard, Father. I know that it's hard because we don't want to accept it, and Father, I know that it steps on toes. But that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Your word is supposed to condemn us. It's supposed to show us our errors of, the errors of our ways, and it's supposed to cause us to repent and to fall at the, the bottom of a bloodstained torture stake and cry and beg for forgiveness, Father. Father, we're supposed to turn and walk in your ways. We're supposed to keep your commandments, and we're not supposed to shy away from them. We know that. So, Father, I beg for your mercy today. I beg for your grace on this congregation, on this nation. Father, I beg for your mercy on me. I need your grace, Father. I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm guilty of every command you've ever given us. I broke them all. So, Father, I pray for your forgiveness today. We love you so much. I'm thankful for the opportunity to teach this, Father. Let me not be a hypocrite. Let me walk in your ways. Let me um, let me be a doer of what you've commanded us to do. I don't want to just be a hero only. I love you so very much. I'm so thankful for your son and his atoning work. I'm thankful for all that he's done. I love you and I ask all these things in his precious and holy son, in his holy name. Amen.